Good evening, fellow nerds and geeks. It's your friendly neighborhood podcaster coming at you once again with another episode of the Detailing Mind. And it's going to be the last one for the year. I'm going to be closing out 2021 with a little spoiler alert uh, critique of No Way Home, the newest Spider-Man movie. So I'm going to dive right into it right off the bat here. And uh, unfortunately, I'm pretty disappointed with the way that they decided to uh, um, do No Way Home. My overall critique is, uh, I guess I give it a grade of a C, but uh, just very disappointed. It was a an opportunity that they lost, that they could have made it really awesome. Um, now, I know that they tried to keep the details about No Way Home a secret, uh, dealing with the multiverse and bringing in the other uh, actors who have previously played Spider-Man. And that was, it, it was kind of leaked, but it wasn't. But, um, you know, a lot of people knew that the other two were going to be in it. And they tried their best to uh, cover it up. And, I mean, there was, pro- I think, some surprises. Especially when I went to go see it. I could tell there was a lot of surprises that they were there. So I think a lot of people actually didn't know that the two other Spider-Men from previous uh, series were going to be in it. Um, and so, um, I think all in all is just kind of, it was an opportunity lost. I think, I think they could have made the, the movie really awesome, but they didn't. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to break this critique down into three sections. Uh, obviously the pros, the things I liked about the, uh, newest Spider-Man movie, the, the cons, and then what I would have done differently, how my version of the movie, um, that I think would have made the, the movie have a lot better. Uh, for starters, you know, I, I have always liked Spider-Man. He's one of my favorite, if not the favorite, uh, superhero from the Marvel universe. I grew up watching the animated ser- cartoon series in the mid nineties. And I thought that was really, uh, fun to watch. And I obviously enjoyed the uh, uh, the cinematic series throughout the decades. The, the first one being with Tobey Maguire, the second one being with Andrew Garfield. And now the third series is going to be with Tom Holland, obviously. Uh, kind of set in the main Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, so the pros that I, ha- that I can think about when it comes to... Um, no Way Home is obviously I like the whole multiverse scene. I like that they brought back Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield to reprise their roles as Spider-Man. I also liked that they brought back the actors in some fashion or another and allowed them to reprise their roles as some of the villains in the movie. Whether it's Dr. Octopus... Uh, the Green Goblin, Sandman, Lizard, or Electro. I like that they brought those characters back and they uh, allowed those actors to once again reprise those roles as kind of like a nod and a and a, a salute, uh, see you later type of goodbye uh, to them as they are kind of hinting that they're going to be rebooting Spider-Man yet again. Um, so I like that part of it 
I like how they improved Electro's look. Before he was just like super bluish in in the Andrew Garfield series, and I like that they brought him back and they redesigned him because his uh, previous look, whether it's in the movies or in the comics, was just ridiculous looking. And they brought him back, and he looked really cool. I think um, he kind of actually reminded me of. Um, the 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 DC uh, Firestorm from the from from uh, Flash, the DC uh, uh, TV series. Uh, so I kind of like that. I like that look on Electro. Uh, I think that uh, uh, Jimmy Fox did a really good job playing him. So uh, I was ha- glad to see Electro's uh, new and improved look, if you will. Um, I also like that they had, uh, the, the actor who played J. Jonah Jameson and that they kind of designed him, his persona and his, uh, his, I guess, news agency, the Daily Bugle around the whole, uh, Infowars theme. So I thought that was kind of funny and how they kind of, they brought that in there just to kind of, you know, add a different twist to J. Jonah Jameson and the Daily uh, Bugle. And I like that they, I, I think it was pretty funny that they went with the uh, ridiculousness that is uh, InfoWars and uh, Alex Jones. So um, I, was, I thought that was a really great uh, addition in there. I, that was really well done. It was kind of like a small little uh, uh, passive aggressive slap to the face to him. Uh, making him look uh, ridiculous and showing it in cinematic. It, it, was, it was really awesome. Um, probably the best thing about the movie, uh, if not the best thing, then definitely in the top three would have to be uh, Willem Dafoe coming back and reprising his role as the Green Goblin. I thought he just did great with it. Uh, um, Willem Dafoe has always done an excellent job with the, the that character just you know just the way he looks he, he has that natural crazy look to himself that really fits the character plus you know his teeth are just you know it just fits the green goblin to a t and so i think that he really helped make that uh that movie um so i, I think that was one of the saving graces uh, overall, I did like this, the, the, the Tom Holland Spider-Man. Um, when I get into the cons, you'll see what I mean when I don't like, like the story plot. But overall, Tom Holland, I thought, was a really good Spider-Man. So I just liked his, over, his overall acting in it. I liked how he kind of changed and, de- and developed as a, as a character, you know, and, and uh, you know, kind of had his little flirtation with the dark side, if you will. I think that was a really great way to uh, kind of, uh, you know, tie in Tom Holland to the whole situation and and really, you know, make you feel for him and, and make you kind of realize, man, you know, it, it doesn't take much to get somebody to really just go dark side on, on somebody, just the slightest push, you know. So I thought that was a really nice way that they did that. Um like I said earlier, I do like how they introduced the multiverse and 
you know, I like I said, I, I wish that they would have used this opportunity to better tie in this movie with the What If Marvel animated uh, TV series. Um, they didn't really do that. Um, I mean, at the end of the movie, you kind of see the ripples uh, in reality as, as some of the, the different universes start meshing in and some of the characters from those other universes start merging into the main one that we've come to know and love, you know, since they made the Iron Man movie, uh, number, uh, the first Iron Man movie. So, you know, I did like that they, there was some slight hints, you know, that of the multiverse. And, and, you know, if you, if you, if you saw the what if TV series and you definitely would catch the, uh, the little ripples in reality and, and how the different, uh, multiverses were kind of meshing in there, but, uh, for, for the untrained eye, they, they just would assume, oh, okay, it's just the multiverses, not really understanding the connection to the TV series. But like I said, I think they could have done a hell of a lot more when it comes to correlating things to the What If series. But who knows? Maybe they'll uh, uh, save that idea for another movie down the road here. Um then lastly, and this is actually one that I didn't recognize or, or realize, uh, so I'm actually looking forward to going back and watching the movie again, maybe when it comes out on Amazon or something like that, uh, run to it and watch it again, but apparently there was a um, an Easter egg about Ned Leeds, the uh, best friend to Spider-Man, Um but apparently there's a hint somewhere in the movie that uh, hints that Ned Leeds will become the Hobgoblin, which is another villain of, of uh, Spider-Man. And I didn't know that Ned Leeds was uh, one of the Hobgoblins uh, that Spider-Man faced off with. Um, I looked it up online, and sure enough, in the comic books, Ned Leeds does become um, the Hobgoblin. And so I'm going to have to go back in and watch the movie again and see that little Easter egg. But, uh, you know, if that's the case, then that's pretty sweet. You know, I like it when they do those little Easter eggs in there, especially when I don't recognize them offhand and have to, you know, go back and rewatch it just to, to get that little uh, uh, Easter egg. So um, I'd say that's probably all that I have for my uh, pros about the movie. Uh, the cons... Um, well, there's going to be a, quite a bit of them. Um, I guess the main one is just the plot and how the multiverse rifts got caused in the, in the first place. And, and once again, spoiler alert, uh, the, these rifts are caused because of Peter wanting to make the world forget that he is Spider-Man. And then so he goes to Doctor Strange and has him create a, cast a spell, basically, that will uh, um, prevent people from knowing he's Spider-Man. But then he starts to realize, well, if he does that, then he will have some of his closest friends and his girlfriend forget, and he doesn't want that either. And so in the middle of casting this spell... Um, Basically, he changes his mind so much that Doctor Strange messes up the spell. And this is how the whole multiverse thing comes into play to begin with. And instead of it being only certain people remembering that he is Spider-Man, 
the spell transforms into everybody who knows that he that Peter Parker Spider-Man comes to his universe. And that's how this whole multiverse rift begins. And I thought that was a pretty lame way to go about introducing this. Um, I'll kind of mention that a little bit more in my what would I do if I was writing the movie. But that that's kind of my, my biggest... Uh, negative takeaway for uh no way home is that the the whole setup the whole the whole uh plot build to the multiverse thing it was just really stupid um another thing that i did not like about the uh, movie was um the the toby Maguire spider-man did not die from his wounds when he got uh, basically a huge uh, knife through his chest from the Green Goblin. I thought that was pretty lame, to be honest. Um, he somehow survives and doesn't die there, you know, uh, uh, in the scene. And they don't really, you know, mention whether or not the uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man survives the, uh, the knife wound through the chest when he goes back to his universe, you know. But... I think that, you know, just to make it real, just to make, you know, the movie kind of um, portray to the audience that, hey, no one's going to be safe in this. I think that they should have let the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man die in that just to show them, hey, man, this is real. This is this is a serious movie and, you know, the crap's hitting the fan. And unfortunately, it's going to be the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. And nothing against Tobey Maguire. I think he, I think he did a pretty good job playing Spider-Man. I liked his trilogy of, of Spider-Man movies. I just think that if you're going to have the Green Goblin come up and stab, you know, Toby Spidey in the back and have the the blade plunge through his chest, that should be a character-ending situation. Especially since they're kind of sitting there talking afterwards and and then all of a sudden they go back to their own respective timeline. It's like, in any normal situation, even if you are a superhero like Spider-Man, that's going to kill you. Especially if you're kind of hanging out there and talking and saying your goodbyes and all that other crap. And, and you know, it's... He should have, you know, he should have bit the dust when that blade came plunging through, you know. Um... And I think that would have been a way to kind of close out that chapter in the Spider-Man movies was have the Toby Spidey die from that wound and then he just disappears and, you know, he goes... And then that whole timeline from that series is now closed. Um, I think, they, you know, I, I, I like that they kept the Andrew Garfield one open because they could always bring him back. Uh, I know that... Uh, kind of the running theme is that they don't want their actor to get too old when they play Spider-Man because he's supposed to be in high school and maybe a couple years in college. And so obviously, uh, you know, the Tobey Maguire, Tobey Maguire as an actor wouldn't be able to pull that off anymore. So that's why I think it made sense to kill off his character, but keep Andrew Garfield Spider-Man because they could always bring him back in some other role in some future multiverse movie, you know, and have him kind of be like a mentor, um, 
kind of like what they did in the uh, animated uh, Spider-Verse uh, movie that they came out with a couple years back. Um, so they could kind of show that, hey, there's a more adult uh, Spider-Man that's out there carrying on. Darker version because of his losses that he uh, had to uh, deal with. Um, but they didn't really hint too much about what the future was going to be for Andrew Garfield. Um, this kind of ties me into the next con that I had, and that was that the little teaser clip at the end of the movie shows uh, the Venom actor. Um, I think it's Tom Hardy. Um, and you kind of get... You, you basically find out that that, that Venom... It, is not in the main timeline, the MCU timeline. He's actually part of the the Sony uh, Spider-Man universe, um, which is where Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man comes from. So, you know, I was kind of bummed that uh, um, Venom wasn't part of the main Marvel Cinematic Universe that he was considered from a quote-unquote alternate timeline. And I'm kind of bummed that they didn't really mention whether or not he, as a Sony uh, entertainment uh, character and movie series, I'm, I'm kind of irked that they didn't mention whether or not he was in the same universe as the Andrew Garfield uh, Spider-Man. Because both of, both of those movie series... So far, they're both at two and two. Um, so far, they are done by Sony, but it's not confirmed if they're in the same universe. So, I mean, there could be two Sony timelines in addition to the main Marvel timeline, which is Tom Holland's Spider-Man, as well as the Sam Raimi uh, Spider-Man series timeline that was Tobey Maguire. So, you know... I don't know if they're keeping all these timelines open just for future plans, but, you know, one of the cons to the whole thing is that they kind of left them open-ended. And they did so in a way that it leaves you wondering, you know. They didn't really hint that they are going to keep it going, and they just kind of left it at, well, they're there, and that's it. And it's kind of, you know, it's kind of lazy writing at the very least you know either just close off those timelines and say they end or give a really obvious hint that hey we got something else for them they're there but don't worry we're going to get back to them in future movies or tv series or what have you so that's kind of uh my take on some of the cons um and then the last three that I have before I move on is uh, they basically have Dr. Octopus become a, a good guy. You know, he gets quote-unquote cured, and now he starts helping the team of Spider-Men. I thought that was pretty lame, too. It's like, come on, really? Uh, just have him be one of the bad guys. That's how he was in the in the movie, you know, uh, in, in the, the Sam Raimi uh, trilogy with uh, Tobey Maguire. Just leave it as... It is, that he's a villain. Because I thought it was kind of lame that they had him kind of go back to the good side and go back to the light side, if you will, and, and help him out. And Especially when he was when he had the uh, parts of the nanobot technology from uh, 
Tom Holland's Spider-Man in his arms. You would think that that would kind of beef up the, uh, I, I, I'm assuming the a, the arm AI that was controlling his brain, but still, it just, you know, they, they could have better used Dr. Octopus's uh, um, character in that movie and have him be kind of, you know, a villain and then turn good. That was kind of lazy writing, I think. Um, the other issue that I had was they pulled a DC comics with, oh, we don't kill our enemies. And he, and he saw that with, uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man confronting Tom Holland's Spider-Man when Tom Holland was going to town on the Green Goblin because once again, spoiler alert, the Green Goblin uh, Willem Dafoe's character kills Tom's Aunt May, and so in a you know in a uh, in an angry fit of revenge, Tom Holland's Spider-Man is just beating the snot out of Green Goblin, and almost gets to the point where he wants to he's gonna kill him, and that's when the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man steps in and basically does the whole DC line of. We don't kill our, our enemies, you know? And just like, dude, really? And of course, that gives the Green Goblin the chance to make the the uh, the huge uh, knife stab into his back and out through his chest, which should have killed the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, but it didn't. So it was one cheesy um, scene to another cheesy scene where it's like, we don't kill our enemies, and then all of a sudden, oh, I just got stabbed through the chest, but I somehow survived, you know? Um, so it was pretty lame, I think, on, on their part. Pretty Very lazy writing that they could have done better with it. And then lastly, um, I think the laziness kind of culminated with how they decided to end it. Just like how they began it, they decided to end it. Lazy attempt to get the movie going and set the plot in motion. Very lazy way to end it and bring the plot for the movie to a close. And that is, they basically make everybody forget that Tom Holland, Peter Parker, is is Spider-Man. And so basically what happens is... Um, Doctor Strange does this by making everybody forget Peter Parker. So Doctor Strange forgets Peter Parker. The Avengers forget Peter Parker. Everybody in the world forgets who Peter Parker is. And so at the end, they kind of show him walking around the whole city. No friends. He doesn't know anybody. Um, he visits his former best friends, best friend uh, Ned Leeds, as well as his former girlfriend, MJ. And they don't know who he is, you know. And it just it was a very lazy way to end the whole movie that everybody forgot Peter Parker and therefore everybody forgets that Peter Parker was Spider-Man. Um, I don't know if they have a plan to undo that in a future movie, but from what I've been reading is uh, Tom Holland isn't going to be Spider-Man anymore because he's getting too old. And so that was their way of kind of putting the... Uh, um, the end to Tom Holland's Spider-Man while they go and look for a new actor who's younger who can fill the role of being um, Spider-Man in high school. And once again, this whole thing kind of restarts and the Spider-Man character is 
basically rebooted for a third time, which is irking me because I can't stand how they reboot everything every decade, it seems like, you know, so um, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the cons that I have uh, about the movie. Like I said, overall, I'd give it a C grade. I was very disappointed with its lackluster of, of uh, um, creativity. It was very, you know, you could tell they tried to put it together and just kind of wing it, so to speak. Um, so how, how would I go about doing this movie? What would my, my version of it would be? Um, like I said earlier, I think that they should have, that they wasted their opportunity to tie it into the what if TV series. And that's how I think that they should have, um, gone about setting up the plot for this movie and bringing this whole multiverse theme to pass. Um, so I came up with three options that they could have done to get the whole ball rolling for the plot of this movie. The first one would be as if a villain from one of the other uh, universes, possibly from one of the villains that we saw in the What If TV series, they're the ones that make the, uh, the rift in the timeline and start this whole ball rolling and bring all these different um, villains as well as Spider-Man into the main cinematic universe that we see, the Avengers, the Spider-Man movies, Iron Man movies, all the all the live-action movies take place in thus far. Um, so that was my, my thought, is have one of the villains do that uh, from the What If series. Um, also, another option, a side option, would be have an alternate Spider-Man do that. You know, this would have been a great opportunity to have the to have Spider-Man be the hero and the villain, a Spider-Man versus Spider-Man show off. And so have maybe an alternate Spider-Man who has just, you know, gone off the deep end and turned to the dark side, if you will. And he's the one that is that caused it. Um, it could be because he's trying to because he lost his uncle. Ben, or he lost his uh, girlfriend, MJ, or Gwen, or best friend, something to that effect, you know, they could have had it set up to where there would be an alternate Spider-Man that sets this whole thing in motion, and then brings all the chaos into Tom Holland's main MCU universe, Um, or if that didn't work, have it be at the hands of Doctor Strange, while he's trying to tamper with his uh, his sling rings that create the portals, have it be some sort of a malfunction in the experiment that he's trying to to do on his sling rings in the uh, um, aftermath of losing the time stone in the uh, um, Infinity Wars uh, uh, duology there. So I think that that uh, would have been a much better way to get this whole plot rolling than just, you know, Peter Parker going to Doctor Strange. Hey, I don't like people knowing that I'm Spider-Man. Cast a spell to make people forget I'm Spider-Man. Oh, wait, don't do this. Oh, crap. Now the whole uh, um, 
spell is all messed up and, and broken, and now here we are. Just a really lazy way to do it. I think bringing a, a villain in from another universe would have been the better bet. Um, I think at the end of the movie, I think what should have happened, if they're going to write Tom Holland as Spider-Man out of the MCU, is I think they should have had him make some sort of a sacrifice in order to basically write him, write that Tom Holland Spidey out of the out of it. Um, so this kind of harkens back to the um, alternate Spider-Man option, where this alternate Spider-Man creates the rifts. He's kind of gone dark side, and what happens is, is you know, it could be even, it could even be played by Tom Holland as well. He could play both Spider-Man, the alternate Spider-Man, and the present. MCU Spider-Man. And in the end, his main sacrifice is to go to this alternate Spider-Man's universe and basically take over as the alternate Spider-Man is dead or something happens to him, something like that. And so he basically sacrifices uh, leaving his, his timeline and going into this alternate timeline to reprise his role as Spider-Man there. Because that alternate Spider-Man has gone to the dark side and is now either dead or incapacitated in some manner. And in order to save his timeline, the main MCU, he has to go and, and go to this other alternate timeline. So I think that kind of a sacrificial situation to take Tom Holland's Spider-Man out of the MCU so that they can, you know, do some sort of a soft reboot would make more sense than just saying, oh, everybody forgets Peter Parker. And therefore, by de facto, everybody forgets Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Pretty lame way to do it, but, you know, I don't get paid the big bucks to write scripts. Um, so that's how I would basically end it. Um, would be the Tom Holland Spidey sacrificing himself by going into some alternate timeline in order to save the main one. Um, leaves it open-ended, too, so they could always bring them back for some other big event down the road, five, six, seven years, when they want to have Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield reprise a role for some other movie. Um, so that's all I got for, for that portion. Uh, the other thing is... I wish that they would have had Venom actually appear in the main body of the movie instead of just having him be as some little short clip, uh, teaser clip uh, at the end. I actually wish that they would have had him brought in and fight alongside either the Spider-Man or the villains or just kind of be a wild card that kind of is all over the place. Um, likewise, I wish they would have brought in more Spider-Men and more villains. Um, when it comes to Spider-Men, do like what they did in the 90s animated series, the, the cartoon. They brought in a whole slew of them. They could have brought in a silver and black armored Spider-Man, which was basically, you know, Spider-Man in like a, uh, an Iron Man suit, but made to look like, uh, um, Spider-Man 
which I mean that's kind of what he was wearing anyway in some of these movies he got that that more technologically based uh, nano suit uh, light version of the Iron Man suit from Tony Stark uh, in the movies so why not just bring in some fully plated um, Iron Man suit but in the design of a Spider-Man outfit bring that guy in they call him uh, Armored Spider-Man bring him in there you know as some sort of you know maybe um, his alternate story would be that Tony Stark took him in as and adopted him because of both Aunt May and Uncle Ben being killed and then he still becomes Spider-Man and then he gets the the armored suit um, and becomes Armored Spider-Man. I think that'd be great. Um, just like in the 90s cartoon, bring in the six-armed Spider-Man where his mutation went a little bit further and he's got six arms. Um, he's still human, but he's got six arms instead of two. That'd be interesting. Um, bring in some of the Spider-Man from the Spider-Verse cartoon movie that came out um, a few years ago. So that would be the uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man, uh, who's kind of the main character of that one. Brings Bring that, that dude in, you know, and he can talk a little bit about his past uh, experiences becoming Spider-Man that you see in the animated movie from, I think, 2018. Bring in uh, Gwen Stacy's uh, Spider-Woman. I mean, I think that would be a great way to kind of, you know... Um, help with the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man because in the movie you find out that Andrew Garfield is just haunted. He he's he he can't forgive himself because he he in his mind quote unquote allowed his girlfriend Gwen to get killed in the second movie that that of his series, and so you kind of get you get the sense that he's jaded and he's kind of a darker Spider-Man as a result. Well that'd be a great way to kind of give him a little bit more hope in that scene that, you know, Gwen is still around and it's spider woman, you know? And in fact, you see Gwen's spider woman in the animated, um, movie from 2018, uh, into the spider verse. So bring that character in there and heck, you could even bring back the actress for that too. I think that would be a great way to kind of tie, tie in uh, Andrew Garfield's uh, uh, Spider-Man and maybe kind of some re- resolution for him, you know, as well. Some sort of uh, um, redemption story where he kind of doesn't become quite so dark about being Spider-Man. You know, that'd be a great way to do it. Uh, and then my favorite, bring in the Scarlet Spider. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like the Scarlet Spider and that whole story arc from the 90s Spider-Man comics because of the whole clone thing, but, you know, I think that'd be a great way to um, introduce yet another Spider-Man that looks unique. And you kind of see the Scarlet Spider outfit uh, either in the Andrew Garfield or the um, Tom Holland movie, the first movie. I want to say it's the uh, Andrew Garfield one when he first goes in there with the... uh, just wearing red and then like a, a blue sweatshirt over top of it, you know, that's kind of cut out. That's kind of the uh, the Scarlet Spider look, you know. I think that'd be a great great introduction for Scarlet Spider into the movie and into just the uh, 
the general audience's uh, memory bank for uh, Spider-Man is the Scarlet Spider. Something unique, something different. Um, so that's what I would have done is I would have brought in all those other Spider-Man and just basically, basically make it like an Avengers movie or Infinity Wars movie of, of Spider-Man uh, going out there fighting. And then on the con- contrary side to that, bring in a whole bunch of villains too. You know, they, they brought in, you know, a villain from each movie from, um, the other two series. And so in the, uh, Tobey Maguire trilogy, you know, you had Green Goblin in the first one, Dr. Octopus from the second one, Sandman from the third one. And then in the Andrew Garfield duology, you had, uh, Lizard, and you had um, Electro. Cool, that's awesome. But introduce some other villains. You know, bring back the Shocker from Tom Holland's uh, first movie, Homecoming. You got we got a sneak peek of the Shocker in that. Bring him back. You know, uh, bring in the Man Spider. Since we're talking about uh, having a whole bunch of alternate reality uh spider-man have one of them be the uh the mutation gone wrong where it's spider-man turns into the man spider and have him be a villain in there where you're fighting him you know maybe have that guy the man spider be the alternate spider-man who started this whole thing in the first place opening the rifts to get into the main marvel cinematic universe for whatever reason um Reintroduce Vulture, you know, even if you don't get the actor who played it in in Spider-Man Homecoming, at least reintroduce that character back in there as a previous one or a different variation of him. Bring in the Rhino. You see the Rhino at the end of the second movie of of uh, Andrew Garfield's duology. Bring him back in there, you know, maybe give him an, an updated uh, suit or something like that. Bring in Craven the Hunter. That'd be a fun one to have in there where he's going around hunting Spider-Man and, you know, because the whole multiverse is coalescing around the main MCU, he falls in and he's got a, he's on a hunting spree. He's got to hunt all the Spider-Men somehow. You could use that as a tie-in to maybe knock off a couple Spider-Men in there too just to make it seem a little more real. You know, there's also Scorpion. You know, he's kind of similar to the Lizard. You could have him come in there as well. You know, um, and then heck, I because of the whole um Easter egg with Ned Leeds being you know potentially being a hobgoblin, bring hobgoblin in there. In fact, and I just thought of this too, I, I didn't realize it, but uh, um, at one point, uh, Harry Osborne, which is the son of Norman Osborne, uh, which is the the character that uh. Um, Willem Dafoe plays Will, uh, Willem Dafoe plays Norman Osborn aka the Green Goblin if you remember back to the Sam Raimi trilogy uh, Harry Osborn is Peter's friend and he kind of sort of sort of kind of reprises the role of Green Goblin in the Raimi uh, trilogy well, what they should do is they should have brought in Harry Osborn, played by James Franco, reprising that his role as Harry Osborn, but have him be the Hobgoblin instead. 
And then have a little Green Goblin on Hobgoblin side fight in there too. Have it be kind of like some sort of a, you know, a wild card situation that throws off the villains in their moment of triumph. And as a result of this little uh, distraction between Hobgoblin and Green Goblin fighting, the the Spider-Men are able to rebound and uh, save the day, so to speak. You know, I think that would have been a great way to uh, introduce some new villains, but also keep similar faces on them. You know, like I said, James Franco. You have him be the Hobgoblin and fight uh, Norman Osborn. You know, Harry versus Norman. That'd be a really interesting uh, um, fight right there, you know. So there's a whole bunch of things I think they could have done that would have made it a hell of a lot better of a movie. Um, and I don't know if they just felt like they had to rush it through or they didn't want to put too much in there because they didn't want to uh, confuse the audience. But I really think that they missed a great opportunity to um, have this movie be something really great. Uh, But I think what they were doing is I think they were uh, um, sacrificing uh, um, plot and telling a good story for the sake of being like, hey, look, we got all three Spider-Men on the same screen at the same time in the same movie. Isn't this awesome? Look at us. We are just, you know, you know, breaking down walls left and right, trying to make it look awesome, you know? And it's like, oh, who cares, you know? This is nothing new with this alternate reality stuff, you know? So, um, I think the movie was overhyped. Um, I was disappointed that they didn't do a better job. Uh, like I said, I give it a C. It's, it's average. You know, I, I'll watch it and enjoy it, but it's under the assumption or under the understanding that I know they could have done a hell of a lot better doing this uh, Spider-Man No Way Home movie. Um, so that's kind of my thoughts on on Spider-Man No Way Home. We'll see what Marvel decides to do with their cinematic universe next. Um, from some of the rumor mills turning that I've been reading articles from, it sounds like they're going to try to make this whole multiverse thing an actual thing in the movies. So it sounds like this is like their next phase of, of their whole game plan for the Marvel Cinematic Universe is go through their own version of, uh, um, alternate timelines um, kind of like what DC did with Flash and some of the other TV sh- shows like Arrow. They had uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths and it was just an overarching uh, alternate timeline mashup that brought in a whole bunch of their different TV series together to fight this. And I think that's kind of what Marvel's trying to do with their movie franchise but, you know, they didn't really... I don't think they did a good job with it. I think they were doing a better job w- with the What If series. And they should have used that as kind of a benchmark to spring forward from to set up this No Way Home movie. So, that's kind of my thoughts on it. So, I think I'll just kind of leave it there and uh, um, close out this last episode of The Detailing Mind for 2021 on that note. So... Um, I hope everybody's had a good year this year and I look forward to seeing you in 2022.
Have a good weekend and happy New Year's.